Hey, hey, secret friends. It's the titular Charlie Carden here. I'm sorry. I'm not in the title of it. I made that up. Uh, but I'm here with Peter and Missy, two great contributors to the Secret Friends Unite Network. Peter is with me uh, in every episode uh, that we do of the Code 47 podcast. Missy is a great member of the USS Grand Petoskey, which is the Star Trek fan club that we run here in Michigan. Guys, say hello. Hey, everybody. Hello. Missy, you're so shy. Look at you. Well, know, we'll get you warmed up. Missy is actually going to be joining us in February uh, as a co-host on Code 47 when April and I are on the Star Trek cruise. But anyway, bringing you this special message today because the three of us have just had an uproarious conversation with Mr. John Billingsley, uh, Dr. Phil Flax, he calls himself Phil Flax, of, of the great show Enterprise. It was wild. And the thing is, with our upcoming Patreon, which we're going to be launching in January. Uh, this was due to be one of the segments that we were going to integrate kind of into that matrix. But Phil came on, he told us all about his work with the Hollywood Food Coalition with a, an event called Trek Talks, which is going to be happening on January 14th, a virtual event. And we want to do everything that we can to support him, which is why you're listening to this right now. What proceeds for the next almost 90 minutes is Totally wild and crazy. You get to hear uh, Mr. Billingsley talk all about his career, his time on Star Trek, and everything else, and even a special appearance by his awesome wife, uh, Bonnie Frederici. It, it was nice. You know? <laughs> what? what? Spoilers. Spoilers. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. But it's worth listening to. But anyway. Wanted to let everybody know that this is what they have to look forward to um, by becoming a Patreon of the Secret Friends Unite Podcasting Network. We've got some other great surprises in there that you just might hear about. That He, he really twisted my arm and told him some of the other stuff we got lined up. But we're going to have uh, a number of really amazing pro uh, programming perks and different things that will be coming your way uh, here in mid-January. So keep your eyes out for it. But in the time in between... Please enjoy uh, our interview with John Billingsley, and we will see you out there. Hello, Secret Friends Unite Podcasting Network. We are back here again with one of your uh, great new Patreon segments. Um, we're very, very excited today uh, through the uh, largesse of the good folks at cool waters to bring to you another exciting guest which if you're watching us on video you can already see this man so i know it's like get get on with it charlie already right so <laughs> mr john billingsley is joining us today as always it is myself my my side guy my chief engineer peter stein and our ship's counselor missy mr billingsley welcome to the secret friends unite podcasting network how are you today peachy keen merry christmas happy holidays I note that I'm the only person who brought a martini. Did did we not all agree? I uh, the three of the, the three of us agreed to come in uniform. So we're yeah we're all yeah exactly. I got to get back to sitting in the chair. Peter's got to be working the engine. Missy's got to be talking people off that ledge. You know, as a ship's counselor. I understand, so. I understand. But I'm the person who's ultimately be judged on the content of what I have to say, and I'm the one getting inebriated. So I. <laughs> Boy, this guy is way ahead of us. What I the did have some rum on ale beforehand. I will throw that out. Oh, my goodness. Well, for anybody listening to the sound of my voice who has uh, been living under a rock for the last 25 years, Mr. Billingsley, best known for playing Dr. Flax on Star Trek Enterprise, of which I know you've got three very, very big fans here. Uh, and 
we're very we're very excited to have you and we're very excited uh to learn a little bit more about enterprise so without further ado enterprise new i apologize without further ado i'm going to kick that uh back to missy uh to let her get us rolling i'm just going to have to note that there is a bizarre subsection of the american population that knows me best for having molested children on various crime shows over the arc of the last 25 years an interesting well america i i can only say that when i meet a fan i can tell whether they're a star trek fan or a procedural fan on the basis (laughs) you might say never the twain will meet but you know what you just don't know it's it's a rich patchwork of uh strange stuff in american culture and, and what people dig so I said, you have Who's to say? wrapped up in myself as the counselor. So what that says about us and my profession, I'll leave to your opinions. I don't know. I don't know. But at any rate, I'm gonna, uh, like I said, Missy, please feel free to kick us off. All right. Well, to start, there's always the groundwork. So prior to being my favorite character on Star Trek Enterprise, as is a lot of persons, what was your exposure to Star Trek? Um, well, of course, I'm I'm 62 going on 63. I'm 63 going on 16, actually. But I started watching Star Trek when I was six years old, when it first premiered in 1966. I don't have um, incredibly specific memories of it, but I definitely remember it was on Friday night on NBC. And uh, then I remember really kind of grokking it when it was on in syndication when I was living in the New York area. In uh, the early 70s, it was on Channel 11. I'd come home after school, and I certainly watched all the episodes of the original series many, many times. But then I was off living my life when Next Gen was on, Deep Space, Voyager, um, either traveling or running theater companies or breaking into film and television. And so I wasn't really kind of particularly cognizant of the franchise during those years. So when I got um, enterprise, I definitely had some catching up to do. And fortunately, I have a, a number of pals who are uh, uh, deeply, deeply knowledgeable, knowledgeable. So they they introduced me to all the uh, all the various alien species that I didn't remember. You know, what's the what's nice. the Cardassian? What's the Nandorian? What's the who are these people? What do they do? Um, of course, nobody knew what a Denobulan was. I had that. I got to make that up all by myself. Right. Excellent. And really segueing right along. So with being Flax, you know, you are in the Star Trek zeitgeist forever. Um, what has that been like, you know, and what's something you expected uh, or ever imagined, you know, going into Enterprise? Was it something you ever expected? Excuse me. Well, you know, I mean, I even though I wasn't necessarily uh, steeped in the lore of the franchise, I certainly had my finger enough on the pulse of popular culture to understand when I got the show that I was part of something remarkable and historic and that if I chose to be a deep part of it and go to conventions and embrace the fan community that I would have a a radically transformed life and fortunately I think for me uh, that was something that appealed to me Um, and it's been a great blessing I've gotten to travel the world and meet a ton of amazing people including yourselves, but also all the various folks who are on all the other shows. So it right. it's a real familial feeling, um, which is oddly, to a certain extent, kind of behind an impulse of mine to put together, which I'm sure we'll talk about, this thing called Trek Talks, which we're oh, doing yeah. on January 14th, which is designed to raise awareness and funding for the Hollywood Food Coalition. But it's kind of fundamental. Um, um, you know, it's sprung from a place of 
I've gotten to have so much affection and appreciation for everybody who's involved in the world of Star Trek that a show that's kind of about um, how we all get together to give back and do more in our communities really appealed to me. It's kind of the impulse behind this eight-hour Jerry Lewis-esque telethon storytelling. Wow. That's awesome. Um, and as for being a as for being a Denobulan, particularly, yes, it is sort of you know it was very cool. You know, if you get cast as a Vulcan, you get cast as a Klingon. You you are it's basically here's the binder. It yep. doesn't mean right. yourself to it, but you are operating with a very specific set of set of constraints and obligations. Getting cast as an alien that no one had met yet. I mean, obviously, you still have the words on the page. I don't get to make shit up. But I certainly feel like I had... I, it was very liberating to not feel that I had to um, stay within any particular set of cultural obligations. The Klingons are, the Vulcans are, the Andorians are. We don't know what the Denobulans are. So it got to it got to me to start from a place of he's obviously joyful, he's obviously exuberant, he's obviously curious, he's obviously playful. Let's just go from there and see what happens. And that was a wonderful platform from which to kind of begin to work on a role. Yeah. So how much uh, creative input did you have with with doing Flox and, and by extension the rest of the Denobulans on the show? You, you you don't. It's in a weird way. I mean, I'm sure, well, Bob Picardo, of course, he would knock on the door every third day and he'd say, make me an opera singer. I want to have sex at 7 and <laughs> Oh, sure, Bob. <laughs> I had no such luck. So oh, I don't no. know that I had the kind of input that, you know, uh, an actor in his in his daydreams might fantasize about. <laughs> but I felt like there was a certain a certain kind of simpatico. Probably, you know, they cast you because they see something in you that's appealing to them. So whatever qualities they saw in me, they I think wrote into. So to a certain extent I would just say that while it wasn't so much about my having input, I never felt, with, with occasional exceptions in terms of backstory, that we weren't traveling on the same railroad track, you know? Cool. Um, Excellent. I, I wouldn't have ever thought that there was such a thing as a Denobulan infantry and that, he, that I was a medic in it. So there were moments in the character's backstory where I thought, well, about that, but... <laughs> That's, that's <laughs> you, you gloss over it. The stuff that I loved, it was fun, was that he was polyamorous, that he was, you know... Were uh, they uh, ever? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, I mean, I thought at first, because you don't know anything about Denobulans, I thought, well, why have we never seen a Denobulan before? I thought, well, perhaps it's a monastic species. You know, there are only nine of us left. So I've, I've you know, I've scrammed from the planet because there's nobody to talk to anymore. Well, it turns out we're the fuck bunnies of the universe. And, you know, we all have... <laughs> multiple wives and a gajillion kids and we're living you know like you know 18,000 people in an apartment building it's like I got out of there just to kind of have a little elbow room yeah you got out of there because there's 52 kids at home that all want something yeah right everybody wants something daddy 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 Exactly. Which shows to go you that no matter what you might think you're doing when you're writing a Bible for yourself, you're not the writer. So your your job is to is to is to go with the prevailing wind. Uh, if there's something, this happens occasionally on a show. If there's something that just feels so like wrong, you might call the producers and say, "Hey," but generally speaking, that's that's not what they hired you to do. And that's great for the fun stuff. So, but like, what was the most challenging part of the Denobulans to kind of have to bring to light and embody? 
You know, to be honest with you, there wasn't anything about the the species about being a denobulin that that I found. I mean, all joking aside, I have played in my career any number of of sadists and losers and lunatics and nut jobs. You have to do some kind of like you know thinking to kind of buy into the um, the worldview of somebody who gets off on damaging other people. Dr. Flox, it didn't take anything for me to buy into the worldview of somebody who essentially was, you know, having the time of his life. And who I, I think, and this is what I always thought, knew he was probably going on something of a suicide mission, but has a kind of a zen-like at- attitude and thought, you know, I've lived a wonderful, rich life. I've done everything I could possibly want to do. This is going to be my last adventure. It's probably not going to end well, but what a wonderful way to go out. Uh, I think it's. I think Doctor Flox, on some level, kind of as he began to move forward into the show, you know, I mean, optimism, yes, but his his form of optimism to me was always sort of, you know, um, a kind of a, a pragmatic appreciation that that life ends for all of us, and that we all have a certain amount of control over the quality of the journey we're on while we're on it. Um, I, I that there might have been a slight slight difference of opinion between me and the writers about how you would language that or how you would interpret that. But I, I never had, there was nothing about playing the guy that was problematic the way that some other parts are problematic. The rubber hit, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Big that, time. That's not the funnest part of your day. It's like two and a half hours in the makeup chair and 45 minutes to take it off. And putting in those big fake eyeballs that kind of like, you know, irritate you by the end of a 14-hour yeah, right. day. But uh, on the other hand, I only worked like one day out of six most of the time. So uh, I, oh. I had nothing to complain about. You've all heard You're my right. song. Or you heard my, my song. Maybe you haven't. I think I no, think I've heard all of my stories. I wrote a song that I used to sing to the other cast members to irritate them because I loved to irritate them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. Perfect. I used to sing, day off, day off. Six days off and the checks still come. Character <laughs> actor in the sun. Six days off and the checks still come. Um, that, did not, that did not. Eventually, Dominic said, quit singing that fucking song. <laughs> <laughs> Missy, you got him to sing without having to ask him. That is because uh, that was it was later. That was later on in the program. This guy is uh, he, he right on top. Of he's it. also somehow a betazoid. He can read our minds. It's amazing. <laughs> he must have read the script. I had no idea. Yes. Oh well, I have, yeah. I have any number of songs that I've written about the show that I sing to myself all the time. Nice. <laughs> you should put out an album. I, I should. Oh my Bonnie, God. Bonnie Gordon is going to be my co-host. When we do Trek Talks on January 14, I'll keep plugging Trek Talks. January 14, trektalks.net is the place to go to find out more about Trek Talks, January 14, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Pacific time. Bonnie Gordon is going to be my co-host. And she, if you all know Bonnie, she's the voice of the computer on Prodigy? Right. I think. Um, a fabulous actor and also a marvelous singer and performer. And she's written any number of fabulous songs about Star Trek. We're going to have some of them on the show that day. So nice. I, I defer to her skill sets when it comes to uh, parody songs. I just listened. I just listened to an interview with her. If I'm so, I'm thinking of on the uh, the five year mission podcast. Mm-hmm. I think she was just on that one. So that is what I'm thinking of. That's awesome. Uberant redhead. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I was li- I was listening, but that's what I was picturing. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Exuberant. 
you can at least catch that. The the visual right. may not, but I got the exuberance. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I got, I got to, that was actually one of the highlights in my year. We were at a convention in Baltimore. The guy they'd wanted to come fell through, so I was a last minute replacement. But my table was next to Bonnie Gordon, and I got to know Bonnie, and I just adore her. She's just such a lovely person. So awesome. So Good you deal. mentioned you mentioned that you've like you've had to have that time to like get into the headspace of like someone who takes pleasure in damaging people with who's not flocks. So how did you like take that when you had to play mirror flocks? Was there a similar thought process or is that, you know, the only thing I thought was, well, the one thing that is true probably for all flocks is everywhere is they take great delight in life, whatever that life is. So I thought this flocks just takes great delight in vivisection. Oh my God, that's so true. <laughs> Could you do? You flash him with the one scene, and he's just like, "What? I'm busy." <laughs> he's yeah, like, yeah. "What is he doing?" <laughs> and I haven't, I haven't seen those episodes, so it's quite possibly I could remembering be remembering them incorrectly. But my my memory of it was that that you know, Doctor Flocks in the Mirror Universe is is in a, in a weird way, every bit as happy. It's yeah, just, yeah, he is. Whereas the other characters were sort of tortured. That. Fox was right. He was just happy being a sadist. He was still married. Exactly. Yeah, he was still married. Yeah. So, Embrace you know, it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Crazy. All right. So, question: if, if is there anything real life John Billingsley that you were able to pull into playing Doctor Flox that that comes to mind? Oh yeah, well that is just it. I, I, you know, one I think Doctor Flox had a sense of humor. I mean, I think I think Doctor Flox found the variety of the variety of life, the variety of of, uh, of experience, to be endlessly amusing, um, wryly amusing. I mean, you know, whereas yeah. whereas John Billingsley would bring the fart machine onto the set, Doctor Flox would. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopie cushions on the bridge. Archer yeah, goes to yes, sit yes. down. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. John Billingsley had probably a more of a low vaudeville sense of humor at certain times than Doctor Flox did, but I think we we share a um, a certain delight in 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 everything. You can kind of like you know, kind of go like, really? Oh, look at that! Oh, look at that! I mean, as I remember in an early episode, it was like there were a couple of. A couple of the crew members were, 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 you know, were seemingly falling in love, and Doctor Flux said something to the effect of, "Do you think they're going to fornicate? Could I watch?" Would I, would yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or when Mrs. Flux oh, said, right in the know, mess hall too. To sleep with Connor, and I said, "Ooh, a rose petal bath. How could you turn that down?" Uh, <laughs> I remember uh, Fiesel was her name. Uh, or Fizel. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. A wonderful actress whose name is escaping me, but I just adore her. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I I was very blessed with that. I mean, honestly, I would not in all in all candor have wanted to play a Klingon, and I would not right. really want to play a. I mean, I, you know, it's interesting to play a Vulcan, and I certainly think you know Joe did a wonderful job, and obviously, you know, I mean nothing taken away from the wonderful actors who've gotten to play all the different various species in Star Trek history. I, I don't know whether we'll see a lot of Denobulans again, but for me, they couldn't have asked me to play a character that was more like, you know, like, ah, this guy's, this guy's got a, you know, he's got a philosophical attitude. He cocks a snoot at a bunch of things, things he thinks are silly. He's, he's, you know, at the same time, he's also hyper-competent, hyper-compassionate. I mean, I didn't think any of, of what I'm talking about got in the way of him being excellent what he did. I wish right. we could have leached more people. That's the only thing I would say. 
<laughs> Early on, Absolutely. I think we, we got the sense that Dr. Flox, you know, had a gajillion and one odd little tricks up his sleeve. You know, I'm going to leech this and I'm going to make a different potion out of this and that and the other. And can you get me a grub and I'll put that in there and now drink that. But unfortunately, on network television, it, 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 it eventually falls to, meh, I've scanned you, meh, I gave you a shot, and you're all fixed. And, you know, I, I wish we'd been able to go further with the idea that he was completely holistic. Yeah, those right. are some of my favorite yeah, yeah. moments in the show where he just pulled out something right. completely random. Like, huh? <laughs> I think it was one of the things, Darren. I mean, I talk about this a lot, that I, I feel like the one thing that was interesting to me about the show that I wish we'd been able to go further with was as the first crew... The weapons malfunction, we didn't trust the transporter. We thought that there was a pretty good likelihood we wouldn't come back alive. And when we met alien species, it was a first encounter every goddamn time. I almost wish they'd gone farther with the idea. It was like, whoa, whoa, all right, all right, whoa. I kind of think that was the intent. But I think they kind of backed off of that uh, fairly quickly. And I, in, in a way, I, I wish that they had... Um, as if, for instance, this is an episode that I, I always tell this story. I'm not even sure if it's true, but it's a good story. My memory is that one of the very first passes at one of the early episodes, the first script, we're not allowed to see the first drafts. The producers are afraid that actors will call and say, hey, I, I, I'm not in this one enough. I don't know. They don't want us. They don't want to hear from us until they absolutely have to. So the first draft <laughs> right. of the script is not floated to the actors. However, because I was, as I said, you know, only in a few days in a lot of episodes, and I was wanting to cherry pick and get other jobs, which the producers were kind enough to let me do, I had a source in the hair trailer, and he'd let me look at his drafts. So I would read the first drafts. And the first draft of one of the episodes, there's a malfunction in the transporter, and one of the crewmen comes back from the surface. We, we didn't like to use the transporter at all, but we did. And he comes back, and his ass is where his head should be. Ah! Everybody's <laughs> By the time we get the final script and we're ready to shoot, it's like he comes back and there's a twig sticking out of his head. Oh, dear. There's a twig sticking out of his head. I'll yep. take it. I was like, oh, my and, God. And, and I thought, oh, how many people read that script and said, you can't have his ass where his head is going to be. That's insane. You can't have that. That's too scary. No, that's not Star Trek. That was my problem with the show. See, I would have loved that if they did that. Uh, <laughs> right, yes. Twig man, how are they going to fix him? That was one of the real things that I was situation. about. You don't. You don't fix Enterprise. him, and that's, that's the problem. It's like, you know, now it's like, uh, crew ass, crewman ass head is going to be his <laughs> <laughs> The ass man. Oh, my gosh. Oh, well, the inevitable question, I'm sure you get drilled down with at cons all the time, and you're like, Ugh. But I, I would love to hear it firsthand. If word came down ah. that they wanted Flax back on screen, what do you think? Um, I would not be averse to that. I mean, you know, here's the thing. That makeup is an ordeal. Um, right. I'm not going to do it for guest star salary. <laughs> 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 I have been a series regular, and I have been a guest star. And there is a disparity in the pay. I'm happy to be a guest star mm. on many television shows. I've been a guest star on many, many television shows. I would not probably wear prosthetics for a guest star salary. Oh, I agree. If they wanted to bring me back. Now, I could recur. I could do a little arc of six episodes, and they could pay me somewhere in between those two amounts. Mm. Not to be mercenary, but, you know, the, the, the makeup is a pain in the ass. Right. How do you get a little so, something for the pain and suffering? I understand. You gotta, yeah, exactly. I need a lanyap. You know, do the voiceover, you know, it's like, have me on one of the animated shows. 
Well, that was the other thing I was going to mention. Yeah, because it's, you know, it's been a long, long time. They tossed uh, in Prodigy, the the Nickelodeon animated program that's on right now. They did toss a Denobulan into that show. Um, And he was he was not a fun character like Flax. I I thought he was kind of obnoxious myself. Um, Yeah, nowhere, nowhere near. I didn't even pick him out as a Denobulan at at first. Peter and I do a biweekly show. And Peter pointed out to me. I was like, what? Are you serious? We are a yeah. little under. We are a little understood species. Is the problem because you know one not not frankly not a ton of people watched Enterprise. So I think some of the people who are kind of like conjuring Denobulans is like you know not whereof you speak, right? Um, and uh, this is my uh, this is the other idea I pitched. They never accepted any of my ideas, which I totally understand because they were all kind of silly. But I I thought <laughs> hey we picked up an abandoned Denobulan spacecraft. You know, there's been some horrible catastrophe or like just we've broken down in space and it's a whole bunch of denobulans and they come flooding onto the ship and they're all like total slobs they leave their underpants lying around they don't finish <laughs> all their food it's just messy and disgusting it's like having it's like oscar madison it's like to the, the nth degree and they all look animal like, house and they all look like so it's a fraternity yeah, oh god they all look oh like no so I, I was trying your like, kids i was trying to set it up so that every denobulan looks like me so for the future if they ever have like you know they'd have to cast me they saw right. it. They saw, built they saw, in. They saw right through me. All right, <laughs> darn. Right, right. Just, just like, just like uh, Tamir Morrison, who's Boba Fett, and and he's, uh, you know, all the clones in Star Wars, built in, built in repeat performance. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would have given up. They all look like me, but it's like, okay, what if they just are all Oscar Madison? It's like the Denobulans, They're fornicating in the hallways. It's like every. It's like, oh, what are you? Oh God, I can't turn around without stumbling on some drunken fucking Denobulan. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I know, and I would have allowed them to bring back my favorite Star Trek music, which is dee 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 dee. dee. Oh no! Because <laughs> we didn't have enough episodes that kind of had that dee 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 dee, dee quality, you know? Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow. Well, I've always long believed that the thing, one of the things that made the first show the original series so successful was possibly some of the best incidental music in the history of america mm. agree I mean, those little tunes in my head the spock and loves yeah right sparks mm. in love <laughs> <laughs> my god i moved i know i know <laughs> I mean, the original theme song is amazing. So many people hated our theme song. I just, I, I'd swear that's what. Oh I'm my! Why we were not successful is it's like nobody wanted a pop song leading into Star Trek. It was like, whoops. Oh I understand. One of the that. best, one of those best memes out there is just a picture of Scott Bakula vibrating. Faith of the heart intensifies. <laughs> I, I did not. I, I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't quite think that it was going to be as much of a. This is sort of a weird story. It's a little bit of a sad story. After 9-11, a couple of days after 9-11, I mean, obviously, yeah, what are you going to say? We right. shut down production for a day or so. Not too, not enough, but we shut down production. So a couple of days, going to work, drive up to the studio, Paramount, and there are a bunch of people picketing outside the gate. And I thought, oh, what does Paramount have to do with 9-11? What could they possibly be picking you about? And I drive on, and it's a bunch of fans who are carrying signs saying, we hate the theme song. We hate the <laughs> Uh, no, that is that is like. Well, first, of course, you think it's like you might want to wait like a week or two, just, you know. Yeah, right. 
But two, it's like read the room. I really hate the theme song. I don't think I'd I've never yeah. of hatred until that moment. I've never made a picket sign for anything in my life, but it would certainly not be in protest of such a thing. You know, and not after 9-11 either. It's like, right, okay. exactly. Yeah, read the room. Read, yeah. read the vibe. And it's it's so, not so hating on faith of heart. If there's anybody out there who hated it that much and they showed up to picket that day, I don't know what to say to you. I guess, uh, like, I don't know what to say to you. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. Good for yeah. you and your passions, I guess. Yes. It's a, that is a staggered silence from John Billingsley. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that all the time because I, I'm never entirely sure how to spin it without sounding like I'm kind of like being snotty. But, but I, I, in the moment, I remember got called my wife and said, "Bonnie, I'm just gonna. I just want you to hear this. Hold on a second. <laughs> we hate the theme song. We- <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like eight people picketing outside of Paramount today. Oh my oh, god! Eight, yeah. eight people. Wow, that that's quite a crowd. Oh well, my god! Hey, I mean, you could get eight people that would agree. It's like you know, yeah, I think we should go do this on on September 13. Oh my gosh. To get eight Star Trek fans to agree to anything is pretty miraculous. And and all these years later, whatever this is, 20 umpteen years later, I still, you know, it is still like you can almost get the two things that'll get people riled up about our show is one, the kill trip. Oh, spoiler alert. Um, Oh, damn it. Yeah. And two, people hated the last episode and people hated the theme song. You know, it's oh man, like the rest of the show, all the way in between the the premiere and the and the finale, it's like yeah, well, but I hate that. And, and, and a bunch of stuff happened. Well, I'm going to take an impromptu question because you brought up the finale. Where do yeah. you stand with the finale? Oh, I, I, you know, I, I was of two minds. I mean, one, I felt very, I felt badly for Rick and Brandon on one level because. Here they had shepherded through the franchise for all of these various iterations. I think that they were. I, I, it's not fair for me to say that they were tired or burned out. I, I don't think that's necessarily true, but I, they were not given a break between uh, Voyager and Enterprise. They had kind of, I think, asked Manny Cotto to come in and do a lot of the work in the last couple of seasons so they could get a little right. bit of breather. I saw, I went in upon occasion to their offices and, you know, the blackboard where it's the, what they called the crusty cheesies, all the ideas that had been pitched a bajillion times and the shows they'd done a bajillion times. Yeah, right. That was always the vibe I got. Yeah, I think at the very end, I think what they were trying to do is figure out a way to say, for all they knew, it was the end of the franchise. They certainly thought it was the end of their run at the franchise. So I understood their impulse to try and do something that felt a little bit like putting a bow on the whole fucking thing. However, obviously, I felt, as everybody else did, that it was probably not much of a great shake to our show. And we had been on four years. We did have our own fans. We did have our own stories to tell. We did have our own relationships. And to a certain extent, being kind of relegated to like, you know, let's get the next gen guys to look through their magical glasses back into the past and see what happened on that show. Enterprise was like, Mm. whoops. Yeah, Yeah. it was it was it was big whoops. Yeah, it was big whoops. I think Jonathan felt it. I think they would acknowledge it too. You know, and all. I think they did. I think there was like an apology at some point later. I think Brandon has sort of like felt like. But here's the thing, and why I started where I started is in a weird way, it's human of us to kind of want to point to the whoops and say ah. But you know, for for fans, I'd say from next gen through. Deep Space through Voyager, 
Rick and Brandon played significant roles in hours and 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 hours of great entertainment. And I just sometimes kind of feel like I would, I always want to make sure that it's, that, you know, we don't dwell on, it's like, I have whoopsed about a gajillion times in my life. Oh, yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. My, my. Anyway, I stole my thunder way. I'm going to steal it back. But I will tell you, I'm going to tell you one more story about that because this also made me. Please. Oh, God, by all means. I was always like really bound and determined to not say anything negative about anything, about anybody in the press. Because one, I just don't think it's polite. And two, it's like, you know, I'm not an idiot. Um, you know, now that I'm semi retired, I don't give a flying fuck. So I'll say whatever I want. <laughs> but at the time, it's like, so TV Guide calls. TV Guide's like, what's your reaction to the finale? Oh, well, you know, blah, 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 just like I just did, blah, 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 but, of course, you know, they don't, they don't quote anybody else, they just quote, John Billingsley said, me, it's like, I was the nicest goddamn actor on that show, I never said shit if I had a mouthful, and I'm the one who's on record as going, me, in TV That's a big quote. Man, don't let down your guard with the yellow press. Mm-mm. Oh nope. boy, mm-hmm. this this mm-hmm. like clear the yellow press couldn't. It's like I should be so lucky the yellow press would be interested. I can't even get the green press or the blue press. <laughs> it's all all off colors. Not that you guys do not represent in your own way a bit of a small media empire, which of course you do. We're we're we are we are working on it. We are. I, I understand that, and I, I I realize as the words were coming out of my mouth that they might have said. <laughs> <"Yeah, laughs> <"Yeah, laughs> All right, where where, where 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 did we end up, kids? Uh, uh, I, I shanghaied you. You're talking about the last episode. <laughs> no, you. By, I, by I, all I, means. I, by, this is this is <laughs> this is a, the Shanghai surprise. Maybe that's what we'll call this interview. Hiya. Fabulous. Fabulous. I've been known go. actually to interview somebody asks one question and they never get another question to ask because I'll just riff for an hour. So look, you guys are doing great. Well, our, our interview with uh, with another uh, Star Trek actor ran over by about forty five minutes because we couldn't shut him up, and we were oh, who's glad that? to who's, have it. Who's that? Who's that? I, 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 I don't know if I can say. It oh yes, you can because I could find it in the files. I could just just, just snip it out. You just snip it out. You'll be fine. <laughs> It was Doug Jones. We just haven't published it yet. Oh, um, and yeah. have, having this great conversation, was he, like, about your he event. was probably like erudite, wasn't he? He was erudite and charming and sophisticated. He he does do that. He's a close personal friend of Missy's, actually. Oh, okay. uh, and she she started us on this journey. Uh, and actually, this you know the interview probably yeah. song. By the way. Well, you know what? Doors the minuet, the ballet russe and crepe Suzette. Patty likes to rock and roll. A hot dog makes her lose control. What a wild duet! Uh, I am, I am Patty, and Doug Jones is Kathy. Patty Cousins. Hi, Dan. I'm singing more than I usually do on on an interview. Oh my gosh! How do we do it? I'm sure it has nothing to do with martini, and it's after Christmas. This is my first martini, though. You know what? It's Christmas. It's Christmas. It is Christmas. Well, well, I was going to say that. Down my guard. I am. I am. I am. I am. Oh my goodness! It's going to turn into turn into SFU after dark. Well, what I was saying was <laughs> with your with with your, with your event coming up, 
we weren't sure when we were going to drop this interview, but I'm going to advocate that we should get this out pretty soon because we want to do what we can do to lend our voice to helping support your event. So I Absolutely. think that and and let while me some, say, of, some of the wonderful guests will include Jonathan Frakes, Armin Schimmerman, <gasps> Terry Farrell, Nana Visitor, Brandon Braga, Bob Bacardo, on and on I could go. Last year we had 50, 50 Cotton Star Trek guests. Holy cow, uh, it's like its own little convention. All right, and you'll fly us all out there. It'll be great. The ugly ones. Exactly, that's what it is. It's a Star Trek convention. And the only price of this is to make a donation to the Hollywood Food Coalition, which I want to speak to just really briefly so people understand the organization I work Please. for and what I'm doing. Hollywood Food Coalition, I've been involved with it for about six years. Essentially, we help thousands of people every day who are combating poverty uh, in the Los Angeles area. We serve a hot, nutritious, multi-course meal to all comers seven nights of the week. We also rent. That is a big gulp. We also. I know. Do you like this thing? And that's why I mute it. Watching. Yes. I mute it so you don't hear the ice cubes because got yelled at more than once. Here, I'll set it down. Wasted a gargantuan barrel. It did. I just took my attention. No. I know. Martini. It was if it was family Christmas around here today. My sister in law was here and says, "This is that that's all vodka, right?" I said, I "How say, did you know?" That, that is a, this is a martini glass. That is not a martini glass. That is a martini. Drink. It's just it's just water. I just like to stay hydrated, or do yes. I? I digress. I'm breaking the Hollywood Food Coalition story up into bite sized bite sized bits. We also rescue about two million pounds of food a year, and we share it with um, about 130 other not for profits to help augment and buttress their meal programs. We provide emergency services for uh, lots of folks in the community. And we try and kind of provide a level of connectivity so that a variety of other not-for-profits who are doing a variety of different things and might help people in need can kind of start working together more collaboratively, what we kind of call our, um, our uh, uh, community building program. So it's a wonderful organization. I'm, I'm very, very proud of it. I'm very proud of the work it does. And uh, on the, on the 14th, we will, as I say, have a ton of wonderful folks, but a lot of the conversations will also be about the nature of what I think is really cool about Star Trek is so many people, so many people, fans and celebrities do so much for their community. So one of the panels, for instance, is going to be called Trektivism, and it's going to be a chance uh, for, for instance, Armin, Kitty, and Jonathan to talk about the wonderful work they do to combat pancreatic cancer. Some uh, fans are going to be talking about some of the work they do. And throughout the whole event, we're going to kind of be, it's, it's going to, there will be hijinks. <clears throat> Don't get me wrong. There'll be hijinks. There'll be hijinks. There'll be low vaudeville. But there'll also be a lot of conversation about what, what it means to be somebody who really buys into what Star Trek's philosophy is all about. The idea that we, we come together and we set aside a lot of the stuff that is petty and small and stupid to focus on what it means to work together for the common good. And uh, the, the meaningfulness of the franchise means a lot to me. I'd make a lot of jokes, but, but it really does mean a lot to me to be somebody who gets to represent what I think Star Trek values are. And Rod Roddenberry is going to be on the show. He's going to be wow. awesome. The top. How exciting. Well, yes, we will. You, you've completely changed my view. We're going to get this out well in advance of January 14 because we want to do what we can to, to support what is an absolutely awesome cause. So, yes, I will. I will change my plans for, for Phil Flocks as it is, <laughs> as you say it. Um, I, <laughs> the concept that my, do, my, my guy is actually Phil Flocks. I know he isn't Phil Flocks, but I've been saying it. for. I know. I've come to believe he's Phil Flocks. 
it's just I've, I picked myself I picked myself up on it I like it so uh, well guys I have no idea where we are with the interview Missy is it is it your turn <laughs> I can't remember I'm actually going to push it forward to Peter to jump into some other fabulous career stuff with Stargate SG One yeah SG One yeah so I finally got around to watching Stargate SG One recently and one and You're just an episode came along to me <laughs> and it was like. <laughs> There he is. It's John Billingsley. Um, so, so what was it like um, being on SG-1 and making like those Star Trek references well, the in the middle of filming Enterprise? That, yeah, exactly. I, they And I still don't know quite why they were so generous because this is very unusual in this business. I was a series regular. I was under contract. They didn't have to give me any kind of out. But I was frequently, you know, either either barely in an episode. There are a few episodes I wasn't even in. And I would go to them, again, I got the scripts in advance. I would kind of go to them and subtly say, um, you know, on the off chance that I might not be in this next episode, if I get another gig, because I might have another opportunity, would it be okay if I... And they would say yes. So I was I was much more ambitious then. I'm so not ambitious anymore. <laughs> but I was like, you know, <laughs> I'm not in this next episode. Can you get me a gig? Can you keep looking around? So I did, you know, I did... Uh, a movie called Out of Time. I did Angel. I did I did a bunch of things while I was on the show, including uh, what's it called? Stargate SG One. <laughs> Very memorable. That other show, <laughs> um, including Stargate, and it was it was kind of wonderful because one, it was a night and day experience as opposed to Star Trek, where and I loved being on the show, but they're very rigid about the words. It's, you know, you, you don't leave out a participle. It's almost like doing West Wing or, a, you know, Aaron, any Aaron Sorkin show. Um, well, where, whereas, uh, what's that other show called? <laughs> Stargate. Uh, whereas on Stargate. Whereas on Stargate, it's like they were completely improvisational. They were so relaxed. And the guy I was working with, Patrick McKinnon, who's a wonderful Canadian comic and a marvelous talent, they basically just let us fucking play. Nice. So it was great. It was a great like vacation from Star Trek. And I loved working with him. Yeah. Unfortunately, they brought him back but they did not bring me back i know when i saw him Ouch. show up on screen i was like where is he and you didn't appear and i was like oh man because you it, i could tell you were having a blast and i just wanted That's to see it i had repressed the name of um what's it called <laughs> <laughs> the show that shall not be named with <laughs> that my guy ever spinoff what was it stargate yeah. wasn't he the main guy was my guy the main guy in that show yeah, he also he had, a, he had a great contract i mean he was the show so uh, right. when the show started he was the show so he yeah. had this great contract that he basically only had to work like Monday from 9 to 3 I exaggerate he had, your, he, he had your 6 days off song then yes he it. totally and he had a private plane so when he sang the song it was as his plane was lifting off the tarmac <laughs> right. it's off and the tracks still come oh yay <laughs> it was like wow so you know, uh, uh, it, it was it made for an interesting schedule because uh, you know I everything bet. had to be very carefully like engineered to keep him on set for the minimum amount of time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, nice. So on to another show that you uh, appeared in. What was it like when you were on um, the Orville, especially since you were an antagonist 
and opposite Robert Picardo. So we had two Trek doctors uh, going after each well, other. First off, let's say this. One, Bob got cast on the Orville because he's Bob Picardo. I had to audition for the Orville. So oh, man. So much, really? So much for being John oh. Billingsley. Yeah. That oh, and Nicole no. by no Clark Bar oh, in that, that hurts. Mm. Ouch. Yeah. Stone cold. Um, so, however, I will say I really wanted to do the show. So I actually, you know, worked hard on the audition. I got oh. cast. Um, they, I'm sure when they, when they saw my tape, they probably also went, oh, yeah, right. That guy. Yeah, he was in Star Trek, too. Oh, he was a doctor. Oh, but it wasn't as if they thought of that in advance. Oh, man. You no, know, sometimes what's always interesting is like, you know, of course, then they'll spin it. It's like, well, the doctors, isn't that clever? It's like, you didn't think of that. I had to jump through. <laughs> <laughs> Seth MacFarlane, who I understand is up for a, an, a, an Emmy, a Golden Globe, probably Golden Globe. I can't remember. He's, he's up for some like best director of an episode. Oh, really? Because he, although he was not the director of that episode was there every second of every minute of every hour of every day. He, he is a, a, a... Seth, are you listening? No, he's out there. He's totally out there. He's a control freak. God bless him. But uh, however, he also supposedly could do an amazing Dr. Flox impersonation. And I hectored and badgered him and he would never fucking do it. Oh man! No he, he was even—he was even on your show. He was—he uh, was an engineer on the Columbia season four. Oh, that's episodes. right. I don't—I don't—I don't remember him from that. But that's all right. He showed up twice. Well, there, 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 were no, there were no scenes. How would unless he was unless he started badgering you back then? But he—he he was a, an example of someone who was a super fan. He wasn't badgering me. I was badgering him. It was like I want to hear the st- I want to hear the Doctor Vlox impersonation, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just like that. Oh my goodness! Eventually, if I trash him enough in these podcasts, the word's going to get back to him. One, maybe he'll finally do it. Please come and do track talks because you would be a huge get for us, and you could generate some revenue for the Hollywood Food Coalition. And two, you could do your Doctor Flox impersonation for everybody. Live, yeah, live. I love it. There you go. And I would love to believe that uh, somehow something that we do reaches the ears of. Uh, of just the, the regular rabble that listens to our show. Yeah, I know. I know. I, know. I, I believe me. I, you know, we, we tried really hard to get, we, we are going to have a couple of, I should say, really big gets that we're going to announce at the beginning of the year. Kind of like our two capstone guests, but I can't say who right. they are, but I'm very excited gotcha. to be able to tell the world that we got la 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 la. <laughs> oh yeah. I heard charge. McFarland next year. I'm coming <laughs> next year. God damn it. I'm going to get you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get you. <laughs> you don't want to ask me about my career as a child molester on television? I'm surprised. I no. think that's Excellent. the next okay. question, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Yeah, come on, Missy. Let's, let's, let's chat it up. <laughs> damn you and your mind-reading skills. Uh, I being maybe perhaps one of the rare John Billingsley fans that love kind of the enmeshment of both sides of everything. And besides Dr. Flux, my next favorite character is when you had, when you were uh, Egan foot from the nine. Uh, So like the psychology, like the psychology behind it, obviously I have like, you know, I'm kind of like Dr. Flux. I have like 8,000 degrees, but whatever. Um, The psychology of like getting into a character that in their very first scene is basically like, give me your money or I'm going to go kill myself in your bathroom and fuck you deal with it. To like, you know, 
you know, a few days later, a new look on life and essentially one of the heroines of the show. Like, how to go through that emotionally as with a character. I love that show. I, I that you know, there are weird times in a career when you uh, and I've had a nice career. I have no regrets. I mean, I've gotten to make a nice living as an actor my whole life. But there are times when you feel like there's a brass ring and if you grab it, it's going to take you up another notch on the, on the career ladder. And that was one of those shows I thought, oh, this is my, you know, this will be a game changer because that character was so, I mean, again, it's the writing. Just like I loved Dr. Flonks because he was so buoyant. Egan Foote was going, of all the characters, and the show was about change, for those of you who didn't watch it, who didn't share Missy's Shame appreciation on you. for it, because it was only on for a nanosecond before it got canceled. The premise was that a bunch of people were abducted, a bank robbery goes awry, and we see in the first half hour of each episode in real time, a half hour of what happens during this protracted 48 hour hostage taking. We know shit goes down. We know some people don't survive, but we don't quite know what's going on. The second half hour of each episode, we flash forward and we see the survivors getting on with their lives. And it's apparent that I was in some way, shape, manner or form, one of the heroes that saves the day, this nebbish who at the beginning of the show, as Missy says, is somebody who comes in to try and get a bank loan for a preposterous reason to get a boat because he's so sad about his pathetic life that maybe a boat would help. And he's carrying around a gun thinking he might commit suicide. But he becomes a guy whose life changes and who suddenly has, he leaves his wife, he starts dating people, he starts having adventures. He's, he's still kind of a bit of an idiot, but he's having a high old time and making a lot of <laughs> to get to play a part on network television that is so full of surprise that doesn't happen most shows particularly on network you watch NCIS it's like the same the same the same season 2 the same the same the same season 3 the same the same don't don't don't, don't 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 tell my mother she's been watching it all these years and she's thrilled by NCIS yeah, <laughs> get it yeah i mean and 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 you know it's a workplace comedy so to a certain extent there's a sense of humor and a sense of playfulness but fundamentally you know it's it's you know you, you, you scramble the order in which you watch the episodes it doesn't fucking matter the, <laughs> right. the nine was you get the first about, one and the last one you're good yeah the right. nine was about which is true now for a lot of streaming shows. The Nine was about change. It was about change. It was about the nature of change and how change, you know, is unexpected and radical and 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 yet something that cannot be avoided in life. And it right. broke my heart when it was canceled. I knew it was going to be the premiere. We our ratings were completely in the toilet. Show that everybody in the preseason had raved about, like collapsed. Mm. Ouch. Yowza. But then, you know, and well, we made four seasons. Out of Time, which was a movie that I got a lot of good notice for with Denzel Washington, flopped. I've pretty much only been in flops. Well, <laughs> the flop, the flax flop. Did, did I just find a term? Flops flop. There you go. That's right. Flax flop. You love it. No, but the thing is, like, well, one flop to another, you can still have a career, which is what I've discovered. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Sinking everyone as you go. No, I'm just kidding. I was in, I was in, I was in star. Exactly. Exactly. Like when you hop from iceberg to iceberg, you know, it's like. Yeah. I was, you know what? I was going to I was gonna make a Titanic analogy, but you went ahead and did it for me. <laughs> I'm <on> the analogy. <laughs> I love it. You don't I've want to be that guy that you show up on set. Shows, 
But it's not like they yeah. wanted to marry me. They just wanted to fuck me and send me on. <laughs> By the way, are children listening to your program? All of the this we're actually broadcasting this live in elementary school. I don't know what they're doing. Fabulous, yet, you know, in class this time <laughs> of day. But yeah, it's a, I live right behind an elementary school. I'm going to turn up the speakers and put it right there. Exactly. Yes, you it's can't really can't hear. Educated early on to how coarse yeah. adults can be. Oh my God! So speaking about some of those roles, I mean, the great varied career, the flax flop, alien doctor, suicidal savior. Gangbang vampire in true blood, serial killer on cold case. What's the dream role that that is out there for Phil Flax, Mister Billingsley? You yeah, said you were in semi-retirement, but what would grab you? Yeah, I am. I am kind of in semi-retirement, and and consequently, I don't tend to think that way because it becomes sort of you know, it becomes wistful, you know, for me to start thinking about. Oh, I could. Wouldn't it be great? I don't like to spend my time that way. Um, I love my life. I love to read. I love my partner. I love my pals. I really like working for the Food Coalition. I'm happy to work when work comes my way. But the reality is I'm like, you know, fat old four-eyed balding 62-year-old guy. And they ain't writing a lot of parts for people like me. So, you know, <laughs> if I get opportunities, huzzah. And if I don't, huzzah. Um, and I spend no time worrying about, you know, such things as, you know, the ideal role. I just right. It's I, a it's that kind of world. Yeah, it's, a, it's you know, we spend a lot of our time. Did you ever read The Power of Now? Uh, a, a, a book that is, to me, a little, a little um, the language can be a little um, off-putting because he's a little, he's a little woo-woo. But his fundamental argument, I think, is very well made. And it's become, consequently, this huge and somewhat, you know, I think, important book about how to think about life. And he, you know, essentially, as we spend a shitload of time thinking about what, what, what was and getting mad and sad and what could be and being aspirational and not just living here, just not living here where we are in the moment, enjoying our lives. And I, I really put a lot of value on just like here I am. Yeah. Right. Love it. Good stuff. As best one can. It's a hard thing to do in life. You know, it's not how we're Indeed. built. Out. No. Yeah. Doubt. Um, yeah. I mean, I will say I still like to act. Don't get me wrong. I, I, you know, still audition. And and when I, you know, when I get something, um, particularly if it's interesting, I enjoy it. I had a nice little, you know, few days on Pam and Tommy playing a really scabrous lawyer. And well, that that show was wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm the I'm the lawyer for Penthouse. Who? Uh, right. No, I remember now. Yeah. My yeah, goodness. And, and that, you know, was, that was like, just like, oh, yuck. But it was still <laughs> yeah, right. fun to do. <laughs> so um, much oh, yuck in that show. It was, oh, it was yeah. hard to oh, pick yeah. it up. But, but, but oh. interesting in that it's, it's a show that you kind of like, I, I found it fascinating because one, you kind of feel like, oh, they shouldn't do this. How dast they, this, this Pam Anderson didn't give permission for this. And aren't they just exploiting her in the name of saying, isn't exploitation bad? But then the show kind of turns itself back around and says, we're cognizant of the fact that you could say to us, we are exploiting her while saying exploitation is bad. And yet you're watching. Name on you. Hmm. It's gone, it's gone all the way around. Yeah. Is it possible to not be exploitative? Is it so baked in to our experience as human beings and as people who, who, who eat entertainment? That we can't right. 
you know, there's not a one of us that isn't hypocritical. And, right. and oh I, I thought it was very, I thought it was a very smart, smart show when all was said and, done, and she was great. I don't know if you saw it, but the woman who played Pam Anderson, this really quite lithe and willowy English actress, is right. Name yeah, is, yeah. Was it Lily, 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 Lily Allen? Was that her name? Lily somebody, yeah. I'm embarrassed. Yeah, Lily somebody. I remember the Lily part. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed that very much. And it was Sebastian Stan. It was Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. Bucky from the MCU. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and and, uh, and I'm on a show, an Apple show that's coming out in the spring uh, called Manhunt about the hunt for Lincoln's assassins, which, although I didn't Ooh. have a huge part, um, I've been like three episodes, but uh, another show that I thought was, was smart and interesting and um, beautifully cast, beautifully designed. I do appreciate, I mean, that weirdly we're living as an actor, we're li living in the golden age of television. I mean, there's so much good stuff out there. If you, you know, you have to pay a gajillion dollars to get all the different channels between right. and Apple and HBO and Showtime and Netflix. But I grew up and it was like ABC, CBS and NBC. It was like, hee haw, the Beverly Hillbillies are Ironside. What's your choice? Beverly <laughs> uh, Hillbillies, because I don't know that other show. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, right. know, however, oddly, the economics of the industry are infinitely more problematic for actors and directors, um, for a lot of reasons. I'm sure. The, certainly, the the residual stream and the nature of the way residuals work. It, it's, oh yeah. It's, you know, we've 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 all, all of us on the talent side, have taken a big hit over the course of the last fifteen mm. years. I'm glad I got my, my bones in when I did. I hear you. I digress. I hear you. <laughs> Not at all. All right. All right, kids. What, what else do we have? Um, well, is there anything in a role uh, that's a deal breaker for you? Like, just nope, not going to do it. Um, I'm, I'm a lefty. So generally speaking, if, if uh, those politics, uh, if, if I think what they're essentially doing is, is trying to espouse a, uh, a right-wing point of view. I mean, I, well, I, I will. And even then, I can't say. I did 24. <coughs> oh, one of my favorite shows. But that's the thing. 24 was so well-made that you kind of swallowed, you know, it's torture's okay lesson. And, and yeah. you know, and, and there was a big part of me that was like, I, sh I shouldn't do this because I... Even in Enterprise, in the third season, as I've often referenced, there was an episode in which Scott Bakula is going to push somebody into the airlock if he doesn't divulge the information or give right. him oh, yeah. material. Mm -hmm. or the phone yeah. And it was like, no, we just crossed a little bit of an ethical line into 24-ism, which, you know, the ends do justify the means, which I had a problem with. Um, right. You know, so so even as I say, generally speaking, it's it's the politics that will make me pass on something. I can't say I'm an absolute purist about it, um, but, but but nine times out of ten, you know, you you get an audition and you look at the material, and if you pass, it's either because you, you pass because one, there's no money, or you pass because you think it's juvenile. I don't tend to want to do horror movies. They don't interest me, and I, I just find them mm -hmm. frequently. I think they're misogynistic. And and if something is, is to me, kind of like too right-wing or kind of is essentially asking, you know, is proselytizing in a, in a, in a, in a right-wing fashion, I'll pass on that. And, the, and they're also, I've passed on, it's also, I was really active 
I was a board president of the Hollywood Food Coalition, so I was really active for a number of years. I mean, I was working 40 to 50 hour weeks to try and help grow the organization. And so I turned things down because I just had other fish to fry. So sometimes yeah, gotcha. it's just a function of I've got a life, you know? Yeah. No. The, uh, the, this is, I mean, ironically, because my father went on to live another 13 years, but when I was on, uh, what was that vampire show called? True Blood. True Blood. True Blood. True Blood. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember the name of anything. What's my wife called? <laughs> Bonnie. <laughs> What's my wife? <laughs> yeah, there you go. None of you knew the answer. Bonnie. I did, it was in the script here. You're, spo- you're spoiling our next question already. Yeah. This might um, stuff. <laughs> when, I was doing tr- when I was doing True Blood in the second season, they had this season-long orgy. A, a sorceress had us all in, in her thrall. And so we were doing all sorts of unspeakable things. And apparently in the last episode, I was a guest star. So they used me a lot, but I was a guest star. I wasn't under contract. Apparently in the last episode, they were going to use me quite a bit. I didn't know that. They hadn't told me. And I had arranged to take a cruise with my dad, who was 80 years old. And I thought, you know, at the time he had dementia. I wasn't sure how many years he had left. And so they said, hey, actually, we have a significant part for you in the last episode. It was like, boy, I wish you'd told me. I kind of asked you earlier in the year to give me a heads up because I, I, you know, I, I. it wasn't like I completely blew you off. I knew the dates would conflict and you never got back to me. So I made this trip and I'm not going to cancel it now. And they pretty much kind of like wrote me out after that. I I appeared a little bit after that, but it was like, but you know, this business always wants you to say you'll do anything. And Mm. it's like, no, I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. My my first priority is to my partner and and my loved ones and and to a certain extent what I feel like I need to be doing to feel like a good citizen, and then I mm-hmm. like my work in that order. Awesome, that's good, man. That's, uh, we should all be so balanced for real. That's great. And then masturbation number five. Now that Ditto. I know that you are you not take care of business. That, that, that's that's biology. That's number five. Many years ago, it was number one. So it's actually, it's kind of slid down the list. It reminds me of that Steve Martin uh, SNL bit. He said, and for all the kids of the world, and blah, blah, blah. First of all, I really want an extended 30-day orgasm. Then the crap about the kids, and he keeps revising his goes. <laughs> Steve Martin oh, was, no. was a genius. He was just, I, I mean, he's still, of course, fabulous, but his stand-up was so... Oh, yeah. He also wrote a wonderful memoir about being a stand-up. I don't know if you've read it or come across it. Mm. I think it's called Born Standing Up. I highly, highly recommend it. It's really, really good. Awesome. Good deal. Well, speaking of... I'm taking us far afield from Star Trek. I realize that. If you want to try and... (laughs) Oh, no. If you want to try and pull me back... (laughs) Did you know what you were getting into? You may not have. You may not have. Uh, and I've, this is only my first martini. I swear to God. If you, ha- if we, oh my gosh, power, oh my god, oh my god, <laughs> and, he, and he's doing all the talking. No, no. Hey, you know, wherever this goes, we are we're along for the journey because we have all right, all right, guys. Well, I, and, and gracious do, to be do, we, do, do, do we have faith of the heart? Gabriel can, is going can, to meet me at the pearly gates, and he's going to present <laughs> me with a record of my podcasts. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Remember when you <laughs> this one? Remember what you said here? 
<laughs> oh my God! Did you know Seth MacFarlane is here? He's been waiting for you with brass knuckles. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, faith of the heart, Missy. Back to you. Speaking of the lovely wife Bonnie, you guys have actually worked together, including on Star Trek Enterprise. How do you guys actually mesh on screen and in work life? I love working with Bonnie, and actually, one of my very favorite things. Well, first, my, my on the professional front, we've worked together maybe mm, eight or nine times. We did one one play together years ago. We've been on screen multiple times. She was my wife on the nine, and, mm. and she auditioned for it independently of me. They cast her not knowing that I was married to her. Um, Good old Mary Foot. Yeah, um, we were in a really dreadful children's film together called um, Twelve Dogs of Christmas, which I heartily recommend. Oh, um, is it possible to heartily disrecommend something? I heartily disrecommend it. You just uh, did it. I, I strenuously underobject. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, even though I get a residual, so I, I really should not. I should not cut off my nose despite my face. But um, however, my my one of my great joys, and we haven't gotten to do it much lately, is that she started coming to the conventions with me many years ago. Ooh. She um, she initially said, "Now." I'm going to stand in the back. Do not point me out. Do not talk about me. Do not call my name. You leave me alone. You leave me out of it. It's like, all right, all right, whatever. But I'm still going to go. So, but you know, well, yeah, and she came and she, she's going to go and, and you know, she, I, why she wanted to watch, I don't know. She's supportive that way. So she was in the very back of the auditorium. And I was telling a story about Jolene being the gassiest actress on, on uh, Star Trek, which she was. She, she ate cheese. She was very gassy. You know, she, the dog was gassier, but she was gassy. And from the very back, I heard, I, heard, I heard Bonnie. I heard Bonnie, who was a theater actress, so she could project, saying, pot calling the kettle black. It was like, oh. I want to introduce Benita Friedrici. I'm married to this woman. And from then on, she was on stage. No. She was part of the act. And so we found a mutual love. I think it surprised her more than it surprised me. We found a mutual love of low vaudeville. And we have been doing like a little doubles act, like Burns and Allen together for, for 20 years. So whenever we go to a convention and they will let us, they're damned fools if they don't, we come on stage together with two microphones and we run around the audience She'll make people talk into an invisible microphone just to see if they will, and they will. <laughs> we'll say, okay, I don't think they can speak up, speak up, you know. Oh, oh, okay. Um, we ask embarrassing questions of each other. We, and this is something she doesn't entirely do, but this is what I do. I, oh my gosh, she's here, she's here in the background. Bonnie, come in. <laughs> Holy shit. Bonnie, come in and say hi. I was singing your praises. <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, say hi to these nice people. Here she is. Really what street is in costume. Special guest appearance. Well, hello there. Hey. <laughs> hello, how are you? Can come in so they can see you. Come they can see me. They can. No, you're a you're figure. No, <laughs> you're a figure in the distance. Very nervous. Yeah. I can tell. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, guys. Aww. Hello, welcome to welcome to our little program. We're having a hell of a good time. As, as you asked, Missy, she was a Borg. I was Borgified. She was Borgified. Mm -hmm. Borgified, but not a Borg, because as we know with the Frangan Enterprise, if you don't say the name of it, don't know who they are. They could be anybody. Why not? Borgish, Borg adjacent. 
She was. She was. No, I was she, legitimate. She board. was a legitimate board. Oh, I know. I know. They just they never said Borg, and that's how they get away with saying, "Well, oh, we I can see. Borg till later." Oh, yes, yes. That was so. That was. My, I know. I was going a little outside baseball, inside track ball, whatever. So inside sorry. track ball, you were going. It's like, yeah, yeah. She was a Borg, and I got to show up on the set the day she was killed. Yes, but I was. Hey. I was a scientist first. First, you were a scientist. Scientist Rooney. I was. Right? I was scientist. Yes, I was researcher Rooney. Researcher Rooney. Um, in, in the Arctic Circle, you probably all know that. And we found the first. Yes, ma'am. Uh, Frozen Borg, who actually, I can't. His name was Mark, the gentleman who who was the body that we uncovered. And during one of the takes, he got the snow, which was actually shaved plastic, up his nostrils, being buried under oh, it. Lord. And as I was brushing it off, he just sat up and he spat it all right on top of me. And it, <laughs> we all burst out laughing because I just had like massive amounts of this stuff all over my face. Works not. It was. Bonnie was covered in Borg's nut. Yes. I have, have, did they ever end up on a gag roll? Actually, a gag reel. A gag, because I'm gagging thinking about it. <laughs> that would be an amazing take. The stars never make the gag reels. No. It's just. Aww. Like, I also, if you ever watch that episode, the costume I was wearing had a really big hood. So right. The- Turn my head to talk either direction. I just talked right into the hood, like you. Said like turn your shoulders all the hood. Um, which I had a conversation with myself. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Hear the part of the conversation. Psych myself up. Well, no, I'm I'm intruding. I was just You're not intruding. I was just teasing him because this is what we do in our household. I heard did something you, about you, uh, not calling the kettle black. You know that story very well. I was, well, I, I was talking about our history of doing low vaudeville for on on uh, on uh, various uh, Star Trek convention stages. Yeah. The circuit. Now that's one of the, my the very highlights of my life. Well, standing ovation at VidCon. Standing in, uh, ovation in Germany. Oh yeah. Okay. Ooh. Three thousand drunken Germans. <laughs> <laughs> Drunken is a word. Who knows what they'll clap for next? Well, you can oh say drunken. Three three thousand drunk Germans. In an opera house. Not sure. Drunken is a word. Is drunken a word? What's well, drunken in past? Sure it is. We're drunken. There you go. All right. It's in a song. Had... So it exists. Drunken is a word. It's not like I did some. Drunk. I was. I thunken. I thunken about it. <laughs> I thunken about drunken, especially around the holidays. English language is very confusing. Uh, yes. Anyway, we Very did. We played a German uh, convention, and um, they put us on first night FedCon. They put us on after Nichelle Nichols and Edward James Almost, two lovely, lovely people, both of whom infinitely more serious than I am. And at eleven o'clock at <laughs> night, after it's not hard, not hard to be. And after, like, you know, some very, very serious social commentary from Edward James Olmos and Nichelle Nichols at 11 o'clock, every fucking German was passed out. It was like... <laughs> yes, 11 p.m. 11 o'clock. I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? So I came on without my pants. Bonnie jumped up. She tried to put my pants on. And we proceeded to have very high discourse while performing very low vaudeville. Nice. <laughs> just sitting in the audience reading a book while waiting for him to come on and i'm sorry i did interrupt because i did not at first think it was appropriate that you had no pants on but so but i tried she, to i kept trying to put them back on and put, then eventually i turned them, put around them on backwards. backwards she tied the, the belt in fascinating and fashion and then mark b lee 
we decided to teach the Germans that in the United States, you pants people. When they arrive, when they get off the plane or the boat, you know, as a means of like welcoming them to America, the first thing we do is we pull them <laughs> strangers. So we demonstrated and how you do this. You have the distractor who keeps the stranger to our strange land. Like as Mark B. Lee walked by the host of FedCon, we just said, oh, Mark B. Lee, hello, I've got a call for you. And while he was taking the call on the phone, John got his pants he off. He got his pants down. He was a good sport. We got Mark B. Lee pants. Anyway, we ended with a standing ovation. <laughs> 3,000 drunken Germans. Ha! And from then on in, I think that's when we really understood that we had something. And we, we that's had so glorious. I've been getting to be on stage with Bonnie. We've had fun. I'm not sure it's something, well, it's something for others, but I'm not sure what. Oh, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I feel like if this say, doesn't happen in Vegas, then I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> I know, right? I know we're looking forward to it. Yeah. By the way, I established that no children are going to be watching this, just so you know, Bonnie. Bonnie's always wanting to make sure that I kind of like, you know, make sure that my pitch is kind of like based on, are there any children in the audience? Well, he went to a, thank you for checking. He went to a children's party once with a t-shirt from a play he was in. It was a David Mammoth quote that said what was it i don't remember what, what's the quote <laughs> if I take a joke or Could, oh i fuck dogs or, i fuck goats it was something oh, like fuck me on a poodle <laughs> that's it it was a quote from satan which if you know mephistopheles is like you know fuck me i'm a poodle it's funny it was from a play he was in then they gave him a t-shirt but we were at this children's party and john took off his sweatshirt and I looked at the back. Now, of we weren't sure. We, surely we weren't at it. Why would we go to a children's it party? It was a party with children. It was a party with children. That's a big distinction. That was, was a, a children's party. party is different than a children's <laughs> party. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it sounds creepy if you say we went to a children's party. It's like, why are we going there? What are we? We weren't even invited. We crashed. <laughs> It was like, Bonnie, I think there's a children's party. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, you don't know us, but we couldn't help but notice you were having a party for children. (laughs) This is our jam. Here we are. I am turning red. You guys are killing me. (laughs) I'm sorry. I used the the F-bomb. I didn't mean to. I I know. This is outrageous, Bonnie. I can't fucking believe this. You know, you come in here. You crash my very serious conversation. You drop the four-letter word that is prohibited in our house. She's doing the first person into a bush. She's, <laughs> see, now, this is, I, mean, I know. It's like... Very nice to meet you. Awesome. <laughs> nice to meet you, buddy. Thank you. Bye, Bonnie. Oh, my God. oh, we are beyond off the rails. So let's, let's, let's. Good luck I, I give up. Good luck getting us back. <laughs> uh, let's, you know what? Let's, let's skip to the end. Unless you guys, because I, I feel like we've covered everything. I do kind I of want to ask. you speechless. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so Peter, please. I, I just had a quick question. Um, I'm involved in a fan audio show, and we, one of one of the guys I work with mentioned that you were in um, an audio program called the Left Right Game. Oh yeah! I, I was just curious, what, like, how did you get into that? What what do you what were your thoughts in it? Was it Tessa fun? Thompson, the actress Tessa Thompson, um, is represented by my agency. So, 
um, my agency. This is a this is in a small ball realm. What sometimes happens in Hollywood, um, because she was doing this podcast, this uh, show. Uh, she basically said, "Well, you know, let my agent, my agency cast a lot of it." So my my agent called me and said, "You want want to do this?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." Um, it, on a big ball level, this is what happens with a lot of major features. The stars will essentially CAA will say, "Yeah, you can have." so-and-so and so-and-so and if we get to cast the bulk of the movie from our roster which uh it's the only time i think i've ever actually experienced what's that what that is like <laughs> <laughs> for me it was a 250 dollar a day podcast so yeah i've got a wonderful agent i love my agent but there's a hierarchy of agents and caa is it's like up there. the top of the mountain yeah. my goodness but yes, I, well, I, I, I never listened to it, but I really was interested in it. I mean, I thought it was like fascinatingly creepy and it was only yeah. the first, I believe, installment. I was killed off, so I don't know whether they went all oh, spoiler alert. So I don't know whether they, uh, <laughs> uh -oh. it was a sleigh. It was a sleigh. Rosebud is a sleigh. Um, so I, I have no idea whether they went on to do other uh, they haven't done a next one yet, from what I've seen. Well, they shouldn't wait too long. It's been like two years ago, so it's like yeah, it was 2020. So Charles Dickens churned it out a lot more frequently than that. Come on, <laughs> yeah, right, gang, come on. Oh my goodness, uh, Missy, why don't we jump to your last question? Because we're, we're starting to wind down on time, unfortunately. Uh, just a little plug for uh, Star Trek Las Vegas this year. We'll be going again. I am super excited to be there to be seeing yourself mr billingsley and frankly i think that if you and bonnie don't get that skit i'm gonna kind of be pissed i think i'll be dropping some uh well you know what yeah um, um <laughs> creation never puts me on stage with bonnie because uh, oh, rude. Creation, creation puts me on stage with dominic and connor and anthony linda <laughs> blah blah same blah. as last year um year. oh boy you know I make complete fun. I love those guys, and I love appearing with them. Um, but no, and and then they also, they they have a moderator. When Bonnie and I appear, we don't have a moderator. That's when it's more fun. You have to go to one. Right. Of, you have to go to one of the uh, the uh, fan run. I know there aren't as many as there used to be. Fan run conventions or European conventions. Um, creation, much as I love them, much as I appreciate them, much as I think it's wonderful they have a convention that, you know, so many guests attend, you won't see Bonnie and I on stage together. It's a little bit too, little bit too buttoned up, huh? Bonnie and me. I try and unbutton them, mind you. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I, I don't. Right. I don't. I'm just as unvarnished on stage with everybody else as I am with Bonnie, but. <laughs> <laughs> but you managed to keep your pants on this last year, I noticed. Yes. Well, and thankfully on this, this uh, podcast, too. You should go on the cruise. My pants came off on the cruise. I'm going to be on the cruise. Are you going to be on the go, cruise Charlie. in 2023? There you go. There you go. And, and right. I hope Bonnie's going to come. I hope Bonnie's going to come on the cruise, too. So, Well, you'll have to let her know that my wife and I are going to be there, and I'm sure that will, that will change her mind. On the cruise, I, <laughs> I might be able to kind of like finagle an appearance on stage with her. I think I might be able to. I love it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, holy cow. Well, this has been astonishing. Guys, any last thoughts for Mr. Billingley before we bid him adieu and let him talk about uh, his wonderful event one more time? 
called me Billy Lee. I, I heard that. It did happen. I threw my voice. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Lee. I threw my voice. Jesus, you robbed me of my S. Oh, no. I'll I'll give you your S back. Phil Flax. Uh, before he gets a chance to talk about his event just one more time. Peter, Missy, any parting thoughts for Mr. Billingsley? Very good. <laughs> Um, just thanks for being with us. It's just been great. I a huge fan of the show and whenever I see you on screen, it's just amazing. So it's just been great for me to, to be able to interact with you a little bit. So thanks for, thanks for being here. Having me. I hope I haven't been excessively irreverent. No, (laughs) not, not, not any more than we would want. So Missy is always, she is our, our ringleader. She makes these things happen. Missy, any parting thoughts before Mr. Billingsley, kind of takes us out uh two quick ones first i you know i mirror and second what peter said and star trek enterprise was actually the first star trek that i got to watch in its entirety as it was actively airing and from day one dr flox was my favorite so this is like a little bit of a fangirl moment for me so i very much appreciate you giving us your time my pleasure. and secondly in case it wasn't made clear during the introductions Charlie here is actually Fleet Captain Charlie Carden and the Regional 13 coordinator that you spoke of so lovingly in your video. It was. That was at our annual meeting, and I, it was a complete surprise. Missy had let my wife April know about it, and we played it, and I was just, thank God the lights were off, because I was like 50 shades of red. I was just, I was, I was like, I can't even believe this is happening right now. It was just, it was it was fantastic. Thank you so much. Did for you see the day. pornographic video or the non-pornographic video? <laughs> I had to watch no, that one was, later there because there were children present. Okay, okay. <laughs> yes, we, we had to apply the the the, the Billingsley filter with the okay, kids excellent. present. Okay, well then you've oh got a surprise God. ahead of you, boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> well, tell us tell us a little bit more as we're on our way just to, to cap it up about January 14th, please. Yes, I know. I'm not all irreverence. I'm I have a I have a somewhat more serious sensibility. Um, Again, the Hollywood Food Coalition, an organization very dear to my heart, and in fact, for the better part of my life, I've always wanted to try and give some time back to organizations that work with people who are experiencing need. Our organization works with thousands of people every day, in essence, who are in need. And to raise money for the Hollywood Food Coalition, we are doing Trek Talks for the second year, Trek Talks 2 on January 14 from 10 o'clock in the morning to 6 o'clock in the evening Pacific time. And you can find out more at trektalks.net. That will link you to Hollywood Food Coalition. It will link you to a site where you can donate in advance of the show. And it will show you all the different platforms and places you can go to watch the show on the day. It's a lot of fun. It's amazing guests, about 30 fabulous Star Trek guests. It's like going to a convention without having to pay for it, except it would be nice if you made a donation to the Hollywood Food Coalition. Um, That's my spiel. Thank you for letting me. And and that's a good spiel. Oh, my God. Well, this has been great. And like I said, having this conversation just turned on a heel. We were were recording this. We're about ready to launch uh, 
our Secret Friends Unite podcast Patreon in the month of January. I'm going to get this show out very early in January before our launch because I want to do everything that I can um, to support Trek That would be Talks. much so, appreciated. That would be much appreciated. I, I'd actually thank we, you so much for that because so much of it we, is about spreading the word. And if you guys have pals and you want to kind of just privately or if you're doing social media, anything that anybody can do to kind of get the word out to the biggest possible Star Trek community, huzzah. Huzzah, huzzah. Count on it. Like I said, I'm I am part of a of the International Star Trek Fan Club, uh, a region which includes Michigan and Eastern Canada. So I've got a lot of people under my command, as it were. I also run a chapter with my wife here in Michigan that is one of the biggest in the world. We have almost 100 members, so everybody will know about this event in short order. So okay. so yeah. So for, friends, what you've been listening to is a preview of the great content. Uh, that you're going to hear as a member of the Secret Friends United Patreon. So, less scabrous than <laughs> potentially, yes. Our, our interview with with Doug Jones tonight, right? It was our, our interview with Doug Jones. Maybe not as salacious, but maybe it is, and that's a reason enough for you. It to has long been my in, goal so. to provide the most salacious Star Trek interviews. If Doug Jones can beat my ass on salacity, that's not a word. Then huzzah for him. <laughs> Ooh, Missy, you're going to have to pass that along since you are you are you are in Doug's ear. You're going to have to let him know the gauntlet is down. Gauntlet is down. Oh my God! I've never met Doug Jones, but bring it on, Doug Jones. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my. Well, friends, uh, as always, I'm going to thank you for joining us. Let you know that sharing is caring. Peter, peace and long life, everyone. <laughs> Missy, time for you to come up with a catchphrase. Part of the team. I'm going to steal yours and just say keep on tracking. Ouch! All right, friends, thank you. Optimism! Oh, good.